Hello there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rediscovering Your Passion and Purpose with Patty. And as you know, I am the Chief Pathfinder of Pathways with Patty. And uh, today I've got an extremely special guest that I want to share with all of you. Who is that special guest? You might be wondering. Well, it's actually me. Yep, that's right. It is me. Uh, this week, I'm doing something a little different and a little bit uh, special that at least I believe is special, and uh, hopefully it will be special for you also. But uh, one of the things that I, I want to do on this new journey of podcasting is also give you the opportunity to get to know me, and uh, through getting to know me is also uh, hearing some of the stories from my life since uh, my basic message for everything that I do is about living your best dash, as many of you know. Uh, some of these stories that I'll be sharing with you every so often on this podcast are all based on how I live my best dash and how I have been living my best dash and finally how I continue to live my best dash. And uh, so with that, there are certain events that each and every one of us uh, we know that there are, when you get to a certain age, and I'm not afraid to say my age, my age is 62, I turned 62 in January, and uh, by the time you start reaching this age, there are certain things that take place in your life that stand out more than others, and so today I want to uh, tell you the story about a, 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 a thing that happened in my life that was a very major event, and as uh, up to uh, 25, about 25 years ago was the biggest, most dramatic thing that ever took place in my life. And uh, so it's a story that I'm going to share with you now, and I hope that, that you enjoy it. It's one of my signature talks uh, that I have done and will continue to do because it is part of the fabric that has uh, made me who I am and reinforced exactly uh, my belief system. So with that, I want to share that story with you now. And I call this the day that changed my life. It was a beautiful July morning. My motor home had been fully inspected by a local mechanic. And after having $800 of repairs done, I would be ready to hit the road. And after I packed my class, my clothes, food, and other camping essentials, my partner, Witt, and I were heading to Shaver Lake in the Sierras to meet up and camp with family. In the previous years of going on this trip, our family had all caravan together to get to Shaver Lake. However, this year, I had some school business to attend to and was unable to leave a few days earlier with my family. Early on a Sunday morning, Witt and I head to the city of Laverne to pick up Melinda a nine-year-old friend of my niece's who had also happened to be the daughter of my principal. We arrived safely in Laverne and collected Melinda's camping items and are once again ready to rock and roll. However, when I tried to start the motorhome, nothing. That's right. Even after having $800 worth of work done, 
No starting that engine. Hmm. What to do? Looking back now, I see that this was God's first attempt at telling me not to go on. My principal sets up her car so we can jump the battery to see if the motorhome will start. And hallelujah, it does. On the road again, nothing is going to stop me. I'm going to the Sierras. Now, you need to know something before going any further with my story. This event happened in the days before cell phones were around. As you hear more of my story, this little bit of information will help you to see how this modern day convenience could have changed many things that are about to happen during this one day. It is now 7 a.m. and we are back on the road to the Sierras. After we have driven probably about an hour, there is a big loud boom. I look at my passenger side mirror and I see black strips of rubber showering out the back of the motorhome and quickly pull over to the emergency lane. Sure enough, one of the inside back tires has popped. Now, as a teenager, my dad did his fatherly duty by teaching his daughter how to change a tire. However, there was no way I would be able to get that outside tire off and then get to the inside tire to replace it with my spare tire. Again, looking back, this is now God's second attempt to tell me not to go on this trip. Did I listen? Oh, no. I'm going camping in the Sierras. Luckily for us, we see a billboard showing at the next off-ramp is Juan's Tire Service. The RV hobbles down the freeway to the next exit, and we find Juan's place. As if it hasn't already been an eventful morning, Juan does not speak any English, and none of us speaks any Spanish. Thank goodness for pantomime and sign language. I point out to Juan the destroyed tire and then show him the spare. Juan nods and gets to work. After 30 minutes and $50 later, on the road again, because we're going to the Sierras. As we approach Fresno, it is now 10 a.m. And once again, we hear boom. Are you kidding me? I once again pull over and see that the spare that Juan put on for us has popped. So here we are on a Sunday morning in Fresno, looking for an open tire dealership. We discover a Goodyear tire shop. However, they don't carry any tires for motorhomes. The shop worker recommends to try the Firestone Tire Store, which is a couple of miles down the road. To this point in this adventure, have I been listening to God? No, I'm not listening to his now third warning not to continue this trip. No, I'm going camping in the Sierras. The Firestone shop has four RV tires. So I told our very helpful dealer to find the four worst tires on the RV and replace them all. $400 later and almost two hours later, we have four brand new tires on the motorhome and on the road again because we're going camping in the Sierras. I had told my parents before they had left for Shaver Lake that I would be there on Sunday at noon. They knew I was always on time. 
But here it is, one in the afternoon, and we are in Fresno with at least another hour and a half to go before reaching the campground. Now, remember, I mentioned this before, there are no cell phones that, it, that are in existence at this time. I know that my family will give me about 30 minutes after my expected arrival time due to possible traffic or even stopping at my favorite purple plum fruit stand or any other unforeseen circumstances. That's a total understatement right there, unforeseen circumstances. So not only am I worried about being late, I know shortly they will also be worried. Before leaving Fresno, I decide to fill up the tank, gas tank so I won't have to pay those terribly high mountain gas prices. As if at that time, looking back, gas prices were horrible. Remember, this is like 25 years ago. $100 of gas later, on the road again, because we are going to the Sierras. As we begin to leave Fresno, it's now 110 degrees, and the inside of the motorhome is like a sauna. So I turn on the generator to run the RV air conditioner. Now, this is so I won't have to use the air that runs off of the engine. We are getting ready to move up to an elevation of about 5,600 feet, and I certainly do not want the air conditioner to heat up the engine, and then we would have engine problems. I mean, heaven forbid. We finally begin our ascent into the Sierras. Yay! We pass a motorhome on the side of the road that has overheated. And man, I am feeling really sorry for those people knowing that they were probably just beginning their vacation time. And here they are stranded on the side of the road because their motorhome uh, has probably overheated. Well, we all know that that is not a fun thing to happen, whether you're in a motorhome or any kind of vehicle. Later on, I would wish that this was the only thing that had happened to us. Whenever I'm driving my RV, I'm really good about pulling over if I am on a two-lane highway so faster drivers can pass. If I see that I have a driver or drivers behind me, I look for the next turnout and pull over. I'm now about 20 minutes from reaching my final destination, Shaver Lake. Strike up the band. All of a sudden, I see in my side view mirror a car behind me who's flashing his lights and he's honking his horn at me. I'm sure he wants to pass me. However, there is absolutely no place for me to pull over. Before I know it, I see him crossing over the double yellow lines and then quickly driving up alongside of me in the opposite lane of traffic, still flashing his lights and honking his horn. And then I think, whoa, this guy is ticked off and he is in a hurry. As his car becomes even with the RV, his passenger side window rolls down and I am expecting lots of swear, swear words to come my way. However, it wasn't swear words he was yelling at me. That is not what came out of his mouth at all. In fact, I had to have him repeat what he just said to me. And here is what I hear him say. I said, your motorhome's on fire. Uh, what? 
I quickly look to my passenger side mirror and I see bright red, yellow, and orange flames licking out the back of my motorhome. The gentleman who told me about the fire quickly passes me and continues on his way. Immediately, I pull over to the next little part of the forest that has an embankment area. Wit and Melinda open the side door of the motorhome and run to the top of the embankment. I grab the fire extinguisher and I ran to the back of the RV. Quickly, I pull the pin on the extinguisher and I squeeze the handle to see if the foam begins to extinguish the fire. Hooray! My heart and soul begin to soar with happiness, only to deflate instantly as the foam finishes in the small extinguisher and the bright flames begin to come back with a fury. Right then, a man comes up to me with his fire extinguisher, just like mine, and hands it over to me because he doesn't know how to operate it. Again, I pull the pin, squeeze the handle, and watch the flames begin to disappear. Sad to say, the foam was gone, but not the flames. Sadness crept all over my body. Another gentleman runs up to me and he says, go back in your motorhome, turn off the engine so it won't any longer feed gas to the generator and that it'll stop the gas from leaving the gas tank where the fire happened to be located. Not even thinking that the RV could explode, I run inside the motorhome, I turn off the engine, take out the keys, grab my wallet, and out the door I go, hoping this will defeat this awful fire. Sad to say once again, this was not meant to be. The fire once again came back with a vengeance and began to engulf the entire back half of my motorhome. I stood on that forest embankment with Wit and Melinda telling myself, mm, it's only a bad dream. By this time, several good Samaritans have stopped traffic and I noticed in the distance the arrival of a highway patrol officer. Shortly after his, his arrival, the forestry service comes to my rescue. Hooray! They quickly jump from the truck, extend the fire hose, and the flames are receding once again. But luck was not on our side. As we began to watch and listen, to the tires begin to explode one by one. Boom, boom, boom. Continuing until all six tires have exploded. This causes the forestry service workers to back away from the half burned RV rubble. Shortly after the tires finished exploding, the loudest explosion of all occurred. Boom! The gas tank. It is here that I must tell you that I have parked the RV on a 6% grade on this mountain road. So as the full tank of gasoline explodes, the flaming liquid begins to run down the side of the road and now begins to start the forest on fire. <sighs> I hear God in my subconscious saying, I warned you three times not to take this trip. Did you listen? No, you were going camping in the Sierras. The, camp, the captain of the forestry service runs up to me and tells me his crew has to stop working on the RV fire due to the forest becoming their number one priority. 
well, I had to tell him, I completely understand. So he looked at me very apologetically and looked so sad not to be able to help us any longer. I mean, what else is there for us to do? We stand on that forest embankment and watch the remaining sections of the RV burn to the ground. As we're standing there in total disbelief, we begin to realize we only have what we're wearing. Everything else, it's gone. As soon as the fire has burned itself out, the high patrol officer approaches us to see if we want to see if anything is salvageable. Hmm. Oh, how could there be anything salvageable as I'm looking at the burnt remains? Somehow my brain triggers my voice to respond and say, sure. There were actually three items we were able to rescue. One, with school keys. Two, my Dutch oven. And three, a single domino. We knew there was nothing else that survived this vicious fire, and the patrolman asked us to have a seat in the back of his patrol car to relax for a few minutes. He then tells me that he will take us to our campground as soon as the tow truck arrives. As soon as he talks about a tow truck coming, I'm staring dumbfounded by what they think is towable. There is nothing but a skeleton frame of what was once my motorhome. Nothing else is left. There is no more on the road again for this RV. The officer asked if we would like him to take a picture of the RV for insurance purposes. And I told him I would really appreciate that. Right then, my inner voice told me for us to be in, in the picture as well with the burnt remains. You know, maybe add a little levity to the situation. Let's turn this big burnt lemon into the sweetest tasting lemonade. So the three of us grabbed the surviving Dutch oven with school keys and the lone surviving domino and stand alongside the ashes of my once beautiful motorhome. And let's take this picture. The officer takes out his Polaroid camera and clicks the button. Once the, the picture has been taken, the three of us climb into the patrol car's backseat and I began to relax with relief that this horrible nightmare is finally over. As the three of us are sitting in the patrol car, Melinda begins to cry. I put my arm around her and tell her everything will be all right. With tears streaming down her face, she says to me, but you don't understand. My mom bought me a new Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt and gave me $20 and it's all gone. Well, I was momentarily dumbstruck by her statement as I was thinking of the more than $30,000 worth of things that were just destroyed. And of course, then I realized that to this sweet young child, how important her things meant to her. And my response was, I will buy you another Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt and give you $20. She seemed to be happy with that response. At this point, what else could happen? We were good to go. Well, that was another mistake in my thinking. Little did I know that a gentleman who saw the motorhome burning would end up at the local gas station and just happened to know my brother. My brother was filling up his car with gas and my dad came along for the ride. This friend of my brother says, hey Stu, did you happen to see that motorhome on fire down the road? 
my dad and brother knew instantly it was my motor home because I was now four hours late. They immediately get into his car and rush to the scene. Upon arriving, they don't see Wit, Melinda, or myself. All they see is a road full of ashes with a front bumper with an attached license plate showing. Now, why do I mention about the license plate? Several years earlier, I bought this motorhome from my parents who were buying a newer motorhome. So my dad knew exactly what the license plate number was on my motorhome. I need to also tell you before going any further that my dad had heart issues. Now, knowing that my dad knows that this pile of ash is indeed my RV and he doesn't see any of us, he believes we have died and he collapses to the ground. My brother calls out to the forestry service guys to see if any of them can help my dad and a couple of them just that. In the meantime, as I'm sitting in the back of the patrol car, I see my brother and dad pull up to the scene and immediately am thrilled to see them and also bewildered as to how did they know to come? I try to open the door and it will not open. Whether it was due to forgetting or just not realizing that the back doors on any law enforcement vehicle do not open so that the bad people cannot escape, I forget about this. It is then that I witness my dad collapsing to the ground and know he thinks we're dead. I begin to claw and bang on the door to get the patrol officer's attention. He hears my banging and runs over to the door to open it. Quickly, I exit the car and run over to my dad where he is now conscious, cautious, conscious and hooked up to oxygen. The first words from my lips are, Dad, I'm alive. I'm okay. All of us are fine. He looks at me and begins to cry. Once we know that my dad is good to go, we pile into my brother's car and travel to Shaver Lake Campground. We finally made it. Now, it's not the way I expected, but we are here. As my brother pulls into the camping spot that was intended for my RV, my mom, sister-in-law, and my two nieces, ages six and nine, and my nephew, age three, stare at his car dumbfounded on where my RV is. We slowly exit his car and I begin to tell the tale of this horrendous day. After telling our story, my parents begin to put together a type of care package for us since we have nothing. Toothpaste, hairbrush, clothes to sleep in, those types of items. The next day, we have made a decision to stay. Do we go back or do we stay? Tough decision to have to make. If we go home, are we just going to go home to lick our wounds, metaphorically speaking, and wallow in sadness by our loss? Or do we stay the week at the campground and take my parents' offer of staying with them in their motorhome and make the best out of this horrible situation? Hmm. Well, as part of my signature sign-off on my social media videos that I make, I always end it by saying, make it a great day or not, the choice is yours. Our choice that day was to practice what I preach about PMA, which stands for Positive Mental Attitude. To make the best out of this horrible situation, that's what we've decided. We decided to stay at Shaver Lake with the family. 
We use the, the pay phone to make our phone calls to the insurance company. And my parents gave us $100 to buy items to get through the next week while camping. So we borrowed my dad's truck and headed back to Fresno to get those supplies. At the end of the week, my parents rented a pontoon boat for the family to spend the last day on the lake together. This entire week, I have wondered if my young nieces and nephews have really understood what happened to Aunt Patty's motorhome. Well, I got my answer as I sat between my two nieces on the back of the pontoon boat fishing. My six-year-old niece, Tiffany, said to me, Aunt Patty, your motorhome has burnt to the ground and you have nothing. It's as if a light bulb had finally gone off on her, in her brain as to what had happened earlier in the week. At this point in my story, I know what you're thinking. She made this up. This cannot be true. From my lips to God's ears. Yes, indeed, it is all true. I even have the picture from the high patrol officer to prove it. Now, a few minutes ago, I called this horrendous day. I called this a horrendous day. Well, I really had to start thinking about it. Was it really? Mm, nope, it really wasn't. It wasn't a horrendous day because no one died or even got injured throughout this entire journey. Did we all have homes and clothing and food and supplies we could return to? Yes, we did. The things that were destroyed, that's just it. They were just things. Eventually, over time, most of those things were all replaced with more modern new things. To the best of the High Patrol investigation, as to the cause of the fire, which is really, it's just a theory, they believe when one of the tires popped, since they were steel belted, that when a strip of the rubber left the tire, it cut the gas line that led to the generator. And then when I turned on the generator to run the air conditioner, the gas dripped out onto the hot exhaust pipe, therefore starting the fire at the rear of the RV. Now, that's just a theory. We will really never know for sure if that's exactly what caused it. How did this day change my life? By giving me a bigger spectrum of what is really important in this life. It isn't things, it's your loved ones. It's knowing that God really did have my back that day. And that I need to sometimes be still and listen for his voice to direct me. It's also knowing that your family will wrap their loving arms around you, give you money to buy some clothing, make you up a little care package, and make you a bed so you can still be camping in the Sierras. You can always use a payphone to call the insurance company. It's also knowing that your sister and her family will go to the trouble of going to your home and collect more clothing and supplies and will drive seven hours so you can make the best out of the entire strange event that has just taken place in your life. It's about several days later after this event when your niece has her light bulb moment and makes her statement that I can turn to her, smile, and know I still have so much. And then lastly, it is the ability to share this story with others and help them to find the positive in their bad days and times. At the end of the day, here I am 25 years later, safe, alive, smarter, wiser, and changed for the better. 
ultimately, that's exactly what this podcast is about in rediscovering your passion and purpose. Through the events that took place this day, which I would not wish on anyone, it is about rediscovering your passion for life and what is your, pers- your purpose. At least that's the effect that it had on me. I could have very easily used that as an excuse never to go camping again. I could have made sure that I never went to the Sierras again. But what did I do? After the insurance was all settled, and of course, you know, we never get the amount of money of really what everything was that was lost. We never recoup that money. But I did get enough money that I went out. I couldn't buy another motorhome, but I did indeed find a travel trailer. And it was one that met the needs of what I needed for the travel that I was doing at that time. And I spent many, many wonderful years in that travel trailer. And then I went and got another newer, nicer, and bigger travel trailer until I worked my way back up to getting the motorhome that I have currently. Because as time went by over the past 25 years, I knew that my number one retirement goal was to sell my brick and mortar home, as I like to call it, and someday travel the United States full-time in my motor home. My parents had set a really awesome example along with several of my aunts and uncles that once they retired, they didn't sell their homes, but they did travel the United States exclusively and a large part of Canada and saw the country and saw the surrounding areas. And that was one of the things that always inspired me that I wanted to be able to do that same exact thing when I retired. And so that's exactly what I did four years ago. Those of you that don't know me or my story four years ago, I did hear God's voice tell me, you know what, Patty, we're going to speed up that that plan of selling your home and uh, begin your travels full time in your motorhome. Because God had graced me with the ability to finally get the motorhome of my dreams. Now, for those of you that don't know what a motorhome is, it's one of those big things that looks like a school bus, but you basically have lots more luxury items in it. And uh, mine happens to be with two slide outs on the side that make it very comfortable to live full time in. And because I was able and blessed to be able to get that motorhome earlier than what I thought, That's why I was okay when I got that inner message from God telling me to go ahead and sell my home and to start my number one goal of traveling full time. And that's what I've done over the last four years. Now, if it wasn't for COVID, I probably would have reached about seeing 100% of the 48 United States that are here in the continental contingent. I think is how they say it. I probably just said that wrong, but you know what I'm talking about the 48 states that are right here. As of to the state, because of COVID, I've only gotten about 70%. But even as I say, only hit about 70%. I mean, think about that. That is really awesome. And what a true blessing to be able to do that. COVID stopped it though, because many of the campgrounds, they closed down and they weren't open. And with other things happening with COVID and life happens in general, Uh, It kind of slowed down the long distance trips, but no matter, 
I have still continued to go camping. I never let that incident of having my Southwind motorhome burn to the ground and watch that happen, even though I do have to say I had PTSD for a number of years following that event. I'd close my eyes and it would be very difficult for me to go to sleep. And there's still sometimes, uh, even 25 years later, that I'll think about that incident. But immediately I go back to the fact that as I mentioned before, nobody got injured. There were no scrapes, no bruises, nothing. And nobody, most importantly, died. And that is worth more than any things that I could ever have or could ever own. And with that, rediscovering your passion and purpose, maybe there was a doubt it one split second of, do I want to do this anymore? Yeah, I did. Because it's a foundation that my parents had built for me. We didn't have much money when I was growing up. But my parents, with the money that they did have, they took us camping because in those days, it was a very inexpensive way to vacation. And so I basically grew up at the, be the beach, especially Doheny State Beach down in uh, Southern California. And then because my dad worked for Southern California Edison, uh, Camp Edison that is at Shaver Lake, during those days, the employees could camp there for free for a week each summer. And so that's what we were able to do. And because of that foundation and the memories that were made because of the things that my parents and my aunts and uncles and cousins, everyone that always used to go camping together, I knew that that was my basis for the thrill and the joy that I got from that travel and from those journeys and adventures. And I wanted to continue that. And then being an adult and having nieces and nephews, I wanted to be part of their journey and their adventures and their experiences as well. And that meant that I needed to make sure that rediscovering my passion and purpose for travel stayed fresh. It stayed good. It stayed new for me. I didn't let it stop me and I didn't let it get me down. Yeah, there were some days that I was upset, and I don't mean to say that I see everything through rose-colored glasses, but what I allow myself is to have that pity party. I just don't pitch a tent there. I give myself time to grieve. I give myself time to be mad or upset. I was never mad at God because God, in a sense, he was trying to warn me as he always does. I was more upset with myself because I knew that as these things happen, I needed to make sure that I learned the lesson. And I am happy to say that nothing like that has ever happened in any of my travels. The thing that is interesting, though, is in the past 25 years since my motorhome burned to the ground, I have probably witnessed anywhere from five to seven other motorhomes on the side of the road burning to the ground. And I can totally sympathize with those people as I see them stand there watching their world fall apart during those moments that that is happening. Why that is, I don't know. I think maybe perhaps it's a reminder of what happened and all the things that I have done to continue on to live my best dash. 
And that's ultimately what I want part of my legacy to be is the fact that I didn't let that fire stop me. What it did also is I know that in the state of California and in many places all over the world, fires have gotten worse over the years because of drought and everything else that happens. To know that my motor home burnt to the ground and I lost everything, that was devastating enough. But what gave me the relief was to know that I still had a home to go back to. What breaks my heart is when I see people that have lost their home in a wildfire and everything else, knowing that they don't have anything else to go back to. So I guess where the lesson is for me and what I would like to bring to each of you and your awareness is when there are people that are in need, be there to extend a hand, be there to help them, however you may be able to do that. It doesn't necessarily have to be with a money donation. Maybe it is with clothes. You're donating that or you're donating uh, water or food or whatever it may be. Because just those little gestures, I was fortunate enough that I had a family that was there to extend their hand to me and help me in that situation and make the best out of that situation, which is a huge lesson for me to know that when I see about these other devastating things that happen, I do what I can in my part of the world to help those people. And I would encourage you to do the same thing because when you do reach out and you help others, in essence, it's helping you. And in, you never know, maybe it is helping you to rediscover a passion and purpose that you didn't even know that you had by maybe volunteering for a different foundation or a charity. You never know where each one of these things that happens in our life where is going to lead you? But we all have choices to make. And through those choices, there's always going to be either a positive or a negative outcome. And it's all based on what we choose to do with those outcomes that determines our future. And ultimately, when it comes to our dash, determines our legacy. With that, I will end this podcast. And I thank you so very much for listening to the story of the day that changed my life. I am interested in hearing things that have happened to you that made you change your life as well. Remember that you can connect with me at www.pathwayswithpatty.org. And let's chat. Let's talk. Where It's got two places on my website. Number one, you can sign up for a Zoom chat with me. Let's talk about what has happened in your life and has it stopped you? Or maybe you just want to share with me your story and I'd love to hear it. Or maybe you want to get on my email list to receive my weekly newsletters that go out each and every week. On my website, there's a little green button that says to get your free gift. Make sure you, but you punch on that little button and that will put you on my email list and you'll receive my weekly newsletters. In the meantime, I am very grateful and blessed that you continue to download, follow, and subscribe my podcast. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I am thankful and grateful for each one of you. And I am also grateful that you have spread the message about this Rediscovering Your Passion and Purpose with Patty podcast. It's because of that 
that this base is growing and the message is getting out there. I'd also like to add, if any of you would love to be a guest on my show, because you've got a story to tell, then I want you to reach out and connect with me as well. So that way we can set up an interview and have you be here to tell everyone how you have rediscovered your passion and purpose. As I mentioned earlier in this story, I end each of my social media videos, which I did pretty much for 20 years of my teaching career. At the end of giving the morning uh, messages and letting kids know what was happening for that day's activities, I would end it with, make it a great day or not, the choice is yours. I'd also like to add my life motto of, life's an adventure, enjoy the journey. I want you to enjoy the journey. Why is that? Because your life matters and I care about you. So reach out. If it's not to me, reach out to someone, connect, make that connection because it will help you to continue to know what you are passionate and what you're, what you're passionate about, excuse me, what you're passionate about and what is your true purpose. With that, thank you once again and God bless you all.